Well, welcome to Grace Church San Diego. If we have never met, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and I just want to welcome you. But hey, before we start this message, I want to encourage you, share this message with your friends, especially your Christian friends. I have directed a lot of this message to challenge the Jesus follower. So go ahead and share that right now on Facebook or live stream. You can send it to some friends or maybe YouTube later on. I want to kick off this message uh, a little different today. I actually want to begin with a prayer. And if you have someone next to you, grab their hand. If you have your family, your friends, I don't know, whoever you have with you, grab their hand and let's pray together. I want to pray because this is such a crazy time in our world, in our nation, in our community. And so let's come together in, in unity and pray to God. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we love you. And in this moment, I pray that you would just interrupt our thoughts everything going on around us, any distractions that are happening, and God, help us to focus in on you. There is so much chaos in our world, so much chaos. There's so much volatility. The uh, political uh, climate is so volatile. Tensions are so high that, God, I just pray that for this moment, while we're together, that we would focus on you. Last week, we saw something devastating in, in the storming of the Capitol building. And we look at this and say, what is going on in our world? God, we know that violence is never, ever the answer. But the love of you, the love of Jesus, is always the answer. But yet we live in this tension because this is a difficult world and a difficult season that we live in. So God, I pray that you would give us the heart. You would teach us how we are to respond. We recognize that you are a healer, so we pray for you to heal us. Heal our nation. Heal our leaders. Heal our community. Heal our city. You are someone, you are a God who restores, and so I pray that you would restore us. We pray for restoration in our nation. You love us, and I pray that we would take the time to slow down so that we might receive your love. God, I'm reminded that in John 17, you pray not for us to be right with our opinions, but for us, Jesus followers, to be one, to come together in unity. God, I pray that the world would know us by how we love each other and our declaration of your love for the world. So God, I pray that you would interrupt our timelines, our posts, our minds, our conversations, and that we might be people of peace and love and understanding and listening to opposing views, and that you might cut through all the media and social media we listen to, all the conversations, and that your love would be in the forefront. So God, I just call our church to this right now. I, I call that in a peaceful, loving way. We can condemn what's wrong and at the same time proclaim what is right, and that's you. We love you. You are the king. May your kingdom come in San Diego, in the United States, in our world, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to, to pray with me. It has been our heart on our heart as a leadership team. Uh, just to enter into intentional prayer for us to come together as a church, as a nation, as a community. So thank you for taking that time. You know, we've been in this, this uh, series called Beyond Awkward because we believe and we know that it's our calling, it's our mission to move past the awkward moments of sharing our faith so that God's kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And that our mission, the mission of God will come out of our hearts. So I pray that you've gotten a lot out of this series and we are, we're going to continue that today. 
you know, I was thinking that in this time, in this difficult season, it's hard to know how to respond. It's hard to know how to grow as Christians even. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I feel like sometimes though we've made this mistake to believe that the only way to grow though is through knowledge. Some of you can relate to me. You've been going to church for a long time and you get filled with knowledge when you come to church. You get filled with knowledge in your connect groups, your small groups, your Bible studies, this sermon, that sermon, that, that stuff. Those things are not bad. Hear me when I'm saying this. But I was reminded by the lyrics of a song, a Christian artist named Uncle Reese says this, I waste a lot of time being Christian, focused on the title and not the mission. And that's catchy, but it's also very true because I feel like that's so true for me in a lot of past seasons in my life. I've been so focused on I'm a Christian, this is my lifestyle, these are my church friends, this is my church, this is who I am, this is the lifestyle I'm in, but it doesn't quite penetrate the way it's supposed to. The mission of God is in the back, and in the forefront is just, it's a label, it's who I am on the outside. For some, our faith has become that. Our faith has become the title, the lifestyle, the church, the feel-good worship experience, and those type of things. And because of that, we have grown inward, focusing in and almost placing church as our God a little bit. Isn't that convicting? It is to me. I remember I spent a lot of time during my upper teen years and into my 20s arguing with my Christian friends. I was one of those that I didn't need other people. I didn't need to go to church. I didn't need to share my faith. My faith was my faith alone. And subconsciously, sometimes even consciously, my real excuse is, I don't want to go to church because I'm going to feel bad for my lifestyle. I'm going to feel bad for all the stupid things that I've been doing, right? Also, we feel inadequate sometimes. So I I don't want to share my faith. I don't know enough about Scripture or the Bible or about Jesus. So I don't want to share what I've come to know with other people. I feel inadequate in my faith. I'll never forget when I was challenged and asked, to be a youth leader. I said no for a solid year. It was about four big asks that this um, pastor was asking me, the youth pastor was asking me to come and he asked me four times and sat me down and saying, Scott, people need your story. People need your faith and our youth needs it. And I turned them down, I think four times before I went forward and said yes. And I'll never forget entering into youth group as a youth leader, I called my mentor, Mark, the one who led me to the Lord, and I said, Mark, I mean, you did this. You were a youth leader. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't know how to relate to these dumb kids. And Mark, I'll never forget what he said. He, he said, Scott, do what I did with you. Just follow Jesus. Make your mistakes. Own them. Always return back to Christ. And then just let them see it. Model it for them. You don't have to be perfect. Just point them to Jesus by you modeling it and living it out. And I started doing that. And I started doing it. It was clunky. It was awkward, awkward conversations, awkward ways I I shared the gospel, shared my story. But I did it. And over time, I grew because of my sharing of my faith. And I'll never forget uh, my first youth camp. And I was asked to give my testimony. And I don't even remember where it was. It was out in the mountains during the winter. And I gave my testimony. And at the end, I prayed. And if anyone wanted to receive Christ, raise their hands. And five youth raised their hands, and I'll never forget that moment because I realized that even though I was awkward, God used me. And today I want to talk about that, moving beyond faith and growing, 
not just by our head knowledge of Scripture and truth and all these things, but by sharing our faith, action, even when it's awkward action. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but Scott, this is truth. Bible is truth. Are you telling me not to read the Bible? No, that's not what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Truth without action, truth without application is meaningless. If you just absorb the truth and sit with it, God's not, can't use it. You need action in order to be used by God and for it to fulfill your calling as a Christian. We have, as a church at large, I'm not just pointing to you, but in the Western church, we have falsely so, you know, focused on ourselves and grown inward where we are meant to focus outward and bring people in. We see it happening in Scripture. There's this little-known book in the back of the New Testament that Paul wrote. It's called Philemon, and I want you to turn there. We're going to read that in just a moment. I want to give you some context. Here's what was happening. As you know, as many of you know, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament letters known as epistles. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, you know that. He wrote to these churches. This book is unique. Philemon, he's writing to his friend. And it's a personal letter. It's not addressed to a whole church. It's addressed to a person, Philemon, his friend. He's a fellow Jesus follower. Philemon was, scholars say he was a wealthy businessman, and he ran a church out of his home. And Paul was writing from a Roman prison on behalf of someone named Onesimus. What happened was Onesimus was a slave of Philemon. He was a worker of Philemon. And Onesimus ran away. And so most of the people that preach on Philemon, the book of Philemon, they talk about justice and mercy because Paul is appealing to his friend Philemon on behalf of Onesimus to receive Onesimus back. Here's what happened. Onesimus runs away from Philemon and where he was supposed to fulfill an obligation of being a slave, being a worker uh, for uh, Philemon. He runs away and he finds his way to Paul. And he gets saved. He receives Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And so some of this is conjecture. I'm making a little bit of this up. This is what I think what happened. Onesimus goes to Paul and says, here's my story. I ran away, but I need to make it right. And so I need to go back to my master. I need to go back to Philemon. And Paul goes, wait a second. I know Philemon. He's a friend of mine. Let me write him. And by the way, did he not share who Jesus is? Did he not share the good news, the gospel of Jesus with you? And here's why I'm saying this. I want to jump in to, the fir- to uh, verse 4 through 7. I'm going to read it for you. And here's what Paul says. And here's the thing. Most people, they glaze over what I'm going to preach on. They glaze over the, what's hidden in this text that I want to pull out and show you today. Verse 4 says this. I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers, Paul to Philemon, because I hear, Philemon, of your love and of the faith you have towards the Lord Jesus and all the saints. So Paul is saying, hey, Philemon, you're doing an amazing job. Your love and faith for Jesus and your love and care for all the Christians, all the churchgoers, all the people within your church, all those saints, you're doing an incredible job. And then verse 6 comes. And people miss it. People miss this. Pay attention. It says this, and not only you're doing a great job over here, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective 
for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Verse 7, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So again, Paul is affirming his friend. He's saying, Philemon, we are buddies. I love you. You're doing an incredible job. Your faith is something that people should look at. Your love for Jesus and your love and care for the church, for the churchgoers, the people that are attending your home church is amazing, but something's missing. I'm going to pray for something that isn't quite there. And I believe it's because of Onesimus. You remember that? He says, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Don't forget, we are not meant to just sit in the pews or come to church on a Sunday or watch online in a sermon and have our faith begin and end there. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have Jesus in you and it's meant to be shared. So this problem that Philemon, I think, has, and the reason Paul says it this way, I think we have the same problem. I think we're no different sometimes than Philemon. We can turn inward. And here's the first lesson for us. The first point that I want to make is we must turn outward and not just stay inward. We must turn outward and look and pay attention to and focus on and love the people outside of the church, the people that do not know Jesus Christ in your life. You have friends, you have coworkers, you have family members that don't know Jesus and you need to stop turning your back from them and saying, this is what God has done. Let me share it with you. So maybe it's a shifting of your focus. Maybe it's just, it's a mindset. You need to take off the blinders and you need to see who's out on the peripheral and say, God has entrusted me with this friendship I need to share Jesus with them. It may be awkward. It may be awkward, but I need to move beyond those awkward moments. Paul urges Philemon. He urges them. Don't forget about those who are outside of the church, who are not in the church, who don't know who Jesus is. You see, I feel like in, at some point in Western Christianity, we have begun to believe that the church was all about us. We have turned inward. And I feel like this last year has proven that to be true. We've, you know, the gatherings were taken away for a while. And a lot of us responded in different ways. And I don't want to shame anyone, but I've had people come to me and say, I'm just going to take a break from church during COVID. And I'm thinking to myself, what? Like, that's the opposite of what you should do. You should be in community and engage in any way that you can. We've had people just say, you know, you're not feeding me, so I'm going to go and go to this church and that church and hop around and feed me and feed me. And it's this consumeristic thing. And again, I don't want to shame anyone, but it has become all about me and about us instead of what you could do to further the mission and the gospel of Jesus to bring the kingdom down on earth as it is in heaven. It's become about feed me, feed me, feed me. Listen, we call this the good news for a reason, and I feel like the Christian response to the pandemic and the political climate, it hasn't been good, you guys. Maybe some of you, it, it just hasn't been good. All I see on some people's timeline are politics or this or that, and it divides, and in no way does it reflect the heart of Jesus. That's convicting to me, and I hope it's convicting to some of us where it's applicable. 
And I feel like this, I feel like we've gotten the version of the Great Commission wrong. You know, Jesus gave this Great Commission that you know out of the book of Matthew. And for some of us, we've, we say it this way. Jesus was sitting there and he says, stay there for. Create churches where you never go outside and invite people in and just live comfortably within your church community. That's literally the opposite of what the Great Commission is. It's not stay therefore, it's go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of everyone who's like you and not like you and different than you and opposed to you. Go and make disciples. That means share the gospel with people in your life even when they disagree with your presidential candidate, even when they are a mask wearer or not a mask, whatever the case may be, share the gospel. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I've commanded you, I'll be with you. That's what Jesus' words were. And we need to proclaim that and act on it. Not just sit with it, know it, and get filled up, but actually put it into action. So hear me. We are meant to care for one another. We are meant to grow in our faith. And yes, we're meant to grow by studying scripture. And I, hear me when I'm saying this, because I'm not saying you cannot grow, but I'm saying you grow more when you share your faith. And that's my second lesson for us. You, if you don't share your faith, you don't grow your faith like you should. You see what I did there? If you do not share your faith, you don't grow your faith like you should. And as I just said, you can grow through knowledge. The Holy Spirit will teach you when you're reading, you're sitting in the presence of God and you're saying, God, I'm drawing near to you. Teach me from your word. God will use his word to draw you close to his presence. The proximity and intimacy with you when you have with Christ will grow your faith absolutely 100%. But it comes to a limit. It comes to a limit when you are incapable of or unwilling to share your faith. How do I know that? Am I just making that up? According to Paul, you will only grow your faith so far, but you can get the full knowledge by sharing your faith. Remember what he says in 6. He says, Philemon, you're doing an amazing job. Your love and faith for Jesus, your love and faith, and the way you're caring for all the saints Right, That word saints means those who are holy ones already committed and dedicated to following Jesus. Those are believers. Those are Christians. Those are churchgoers. Philemon, you're doing an incredible job. And in addition to you doing an incredible job, church, Philemon, us, I pray that the sharing of, uh, sharing of your faith may become effective. Why? For the full knowledge, for our full growth as Jesus followers of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. You will not have that full knowledge according to the Apostle Paul until you begin and continue and are active in sharing your faith. It is not just the responsibility of the pastor. It is your responsibility as the follower, the follower of Jesus. We are all his followers. It is our job to be active in our faith by sharing our faith. It is our responsibility to share. And so here's the thing. Caveat. Take the pressure off. It's not your responsibility to save people. Your responsibility is to share. It's God's responsibility to, the result is his. All your job is, is to share. To share your faith. It will be awkward. It's been awkward for me many times in sharing my faith. 
move past that awkward. That's okay. Be real. Be authentic. Share your faith. We are called to do that like never before. It'll be awkward regardless when you start sharing your faith. Maybe you never have and you need to. And it, you know, with your students that, you know, you're in school and your friends that are in school too, or your coworkers or, you know, that mom's, that, you know, group of moms that you hang out with or whoever, whatever that group is, you know, they're not a Jesus follower. You know, even they're against church. How can you share your faith? The third lesson and point is I want to give you some tips of how to share your faith. And a lot of these are on gracesd.com slash friends if you want to go there. But I just want to share these with you. Number one, be open, ask God for the opportunity, and be ready. That's one point. Be open, ask God for the opportunity, and be ready. Why be ready? Is because when you're willing to share the gospel, God will open those doors. Believe me. Don't ask for it until you're, until you're ready. Be ready to share your faith. That's the first thing. Second thing, share your story. No matter how big or small your story is, God will use it. You know, at Grace, we have a lot of broken stories, crazy addiction stories, overcoming tragedy, and some really gnarly things in our testimonies, right? Some of you may not be able to relate to that. You're like, um, I don't know. I was just kind of normal, but God's changed me. Well, listen, there's someone that needs to hear that story. You need to give that away. That doesn't belong to you anymore, <laughs> That's yours for God to use, right? So you could tell the story. I was really angry, and God changed my heart. Like I was, I was looking at the world for success to fulfill me, and then actually I was fulfilled by the very last thing that I thought that could fulfill me, and that's Jesus. And now I don't need to chase those things. I chase him. God can use your story, big or small. And here's another thing, a side note. Post about it. You're already on social media. You're posting about your food, your vacations, and all your fun family stuff, your kids. That's all great. Post about what Jesus has done for you. Do it now. Do it, do it right now, right after this message. Post about your story. Third thing, share a Jesus story. Have in your pocket some of the, G the stories out of the four Gospels of how Jesus interacted and transformed people's lives, how he healed how we, how we cut through and across political lines. And he did some amazing things. Some of my favorites are Luke 19 and how he goes to Zacchaeus, a criminal, a chief tax collector, and changes his life and transform, transforms him forever. Luke 15, the prodigal son, the heart of the father, welcoming back his son who was lost and now is found and celebrates. I love that story. There's so many. The woman at the well, the bleeding woman, the demoniac. There's so many amazing stories of Jesus. You need to have those ready to share those with your friends. And here's another reason why. Number one, well, two reasons. Number one, our minds remember story. And when you share it, people will remember that story, especially if you can bring your testimony, your story, along with the Jesus story together, people, your friends will remember it. The second reason you want to share a Jesus story is because they can reference that in the Bible later on their own. You're giving them a tool to say, hey, go read this. Don't just take my word for it. Here's the summary. Go read it. And they can go and take that with them permanently. Fourth thing, bring a friend to church. These are weird times, even in the church world, right? We're, we're, we record messages. We're here in a parking lot sometimes. It's a weird world right now, and people are all over the place. People need hope and meaning and purpose more now than ever before. 
share the messages, invite people to our live services, invite friends to church. Even if they say no, that's okay. They said no, move on. At least you invited them. Invite your friends to church. And then the last one before I end is we must understand the gospel in a compelling way so that you can share our go- the gospel in a compelling way. And I shared this on my video on the friends page on our website. But there's three circles I want you to picture. And the first one is God's design because we can all relate to this. Atheists may, uh, you know, they, they will probably argue this point, but that's okay. You can say, I believe that God designed, he created us. We're his creation. And he designed it perfectly, but something went wrong. And it leads to a second circle, and that's brokenness. And what led to the brokenness is our sin, our mistakes, our failures, our selfishness all the things that we pursue other than our creator. And it leads to our brokenness, and our brokenness manifests itself. Even atheists will see the brokenness of the world and say, nobody's perfect, right? No, everyone makes mistakes. We're all dysfunctional in some way. And that's that second circle. And then the, the third circle is the gospel of Jesus and sharing that, you know what, when we repent and we, when we believe, when we turn from our sin and our mistakes and we receive the gift of grace of Jesus and we know that he sent his son, God sent his son Jesus to die for my sin and he fulfilled it. He allowed humans to kill him and he was raised again and he rose as king of this world. And then it circles right back up to God's design and our pursuit to pursue God in sharing our faith. And see, when we understand those three circles, we can walk people through that process in a compelling way within our own story, and people will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, will hear the good news. Grace Church, we love you. We know that this is a weird time. It's very easy to isolate, and we're doing everything we could do to safely gather together, be in community, Be in this fight on this mission of God with us, with the church community. Join us online. Share it with your friends. Join us in person every week. Be active in sharing your faith in a new way, in a way like never before, so that God can reach people like never before. We encourage you today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, there are some people watching this video that they've listened to this and they're not quite ready or they're fighting internally. This call, this encouragement, this challenge to share their faith. God, I pray that you would just penetrate through that wall and you would speak to us. It's fulfilling our purpose as your followers. God, there's people also listening right now that don't quite know you. And if that's you, and if you have Christians in your life, maybe that's why you're watching right now, someone sent you this, God is speaking to you. Listen. Stop everything going on in your mind and just listen. He loves you. He loves you. He died for your sin. He rose again as the Lord and Savior of the world. And he's just waiting for you. He's a personal God. And he loves you personally. Turn to him and say, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe. I give you my life. I receive this faith this grace, this mercy of Jesus right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would change us from the inside out, that we wouldn't just focus on being inward but outward and that through our awkward action, people might know you, 
we might grow by sharing our faith in you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.